Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. It is OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Happy Friday to everybody. Big thanks to Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson, David Reed for making the show happen for us here in studio. Becca Risley, Sleepy Danny, and the full cast with OutKick uh, making it happen for us Sleepy as well. Sleepy Danny. Oh, Sleepy Danny. Uh, never asleep. Time working, for siesta right now. Working 24-7. That time of day. Is uh, al always now. round the clock. Brent Hubs and Austin Price. VolQuest.com. The best in Tennessee athletics and reporting. Gentlemen, it is always great to have the VolQuest Hour on 360. Hope you're doing well. Doing fantastic. Doing great, Hope you guys. guys are doing well. <laughs> Very sleepy. Very <laughs> sleepy is, is, is Brent Hubs. Uh, I wonder, no time for, uh, no rest for the weary when it comes to Tennessee coaches, Brent, because I was reading the, the war room today at VolQuest.com. This is actually their, their move-in weekend. They actually have some time to move into their homes instead of sleeping on air mattresses. Yeah, for a couple of them, you know, it's been, it's been a grind uh, since they got here, and it's been hotel life and, you know, through spring practice, and obviously the month of June is going to be really, really hectic with summer camps and official visits so uh, Josh Heupel actually gave the staff the the end of this week off and the weekend off to go see their families or to take their families somewhere or in some cases uh, to get a mattress not an air mattress but like a real bed into whatever home that somebody's buying or renting um, some of these guys are moving into rental homes while they're building a home in Knoxville and you know some guys are, are trying to get some stuff down here and get their families ready to move when school's out and, and different things like that. So it's a little bit of a, a catch-up, knock off some honeydews and, and personal items here uh, the back half of this week before they get back at it on Monday morning. So a question I have, because we're going to interview Josh Heupel for the first time next week on this show. He's clearly selling the idea of football as fun, and he's selling fun to his team and to recruits with a lot of things they've done. Is Josh Heupel a fun guy deep down, or does he understand the value of selling football and the Tennessee program as fun? Austin, let's let's start with you on this one. Well, I think he's a very down-to-earth guy, which, you know, makes me think that he understands, you know, and knows how to have fun. So, yeah, I mean, I think that all of this is genuine. I don't think this is, like, you know, hatched in some room of, like, let's try to, you know, recreate the culture. Let's go the opposite of what they were and – and be overly, you know, you know, a fun group of guys when we're really not. I think that's just who they are, and I think that's who he is. So, a very down to earth guy, a very uh, approachable person. Uh, if you saw him out in public, I think he would not be uneasy in his own skin. I think he'd be very comfortable uh, to sit there and talk with, you know, anybody that approaches him. So, yeah, I think that you know the football is fun thing is something that you know he knows this program needs. But I think it's natural and it's it's real, Brent and something that uh, he's very comfortable doing. I think you talk to people who played for him, um, and, and I think what you get in the sense you get is 
he's a guy who is about business and is about doing the work and you got to do everything you're supposed to do and take care of your business. But in the process of doing that, you enjoy your experience. Um, I, I think as a former college player, um, he certainly wants, you know, wants guys to leave with an enjoyable experience, which means it's more than just football all the time, you know, and, and, and those things. And re remember this too. I mean, it probably seems a little bit more extreme that way right now because for the last year, these guys weren't allowed to be around each other. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, are we, are we talking more about dodgeball than maybe you, you normally would or going to a baseball game? Yeah, maybe you are talking about that a little bit more because remember for the last year, it's been, it's been clock in and clock out. It's kind of go to the factory. You know, you go to class, you go to practice, you pick up your to-go box of food, go back to your dorm, sit there, don't be around anybody, get up, do the next thing the next day, same thing the next day. And so I think that, you know, you're, you're seeing coaches around the country, and Josh Heupel being one of those, trying to create that culture within their program with guys hanging out, holding each other accountable, and developing better bonds with each other. Because there wasn't any – I mean, if you're a young football team – you're a young guy. I mean, you didn't get to hang out with anybody last year, so you're still trying to get to know each other in a lot of ways. So there's been some bad transfer news uh, this offseason for Tennessee with the attrition on that roster. They're now getting some good transfer news. We talked about Joe Milton uh, the last couple of weeks, the quarterback from Michigan coming in. This week we get the official word on Juwan Mitchell, Texas's leading tackler coming to Tennessee. How big is this for Tennessee? And obviously, guys, He's got a dominant role on this defense starting day one, I'm assuming. Brent, let's start with you on this one. Well, it's the biggest need Tennessee had on the defensive side of the ball. Now, they've got needs at defensive line. They lack depth in the secondary. But when you look at the glaring hole, you know, it's that linebacker with the loss of Henry T, the loss of Cabreras Crouch. Yes, Roman Harrison's moving to linebacker, but he's never played there at the collegiate level. He's unproven there. Jeremy Banks is there. But outside of that, you just don't have anything that you're really like, okay, in good shape there uh, at linebacker. So you're bringing in a guy who has Power 5 experience, who's also been successful when you look at the tackles that he has and the way he's played for Texas. Uh, it's a guy that Tim Banks knows because he's from New Jersey. Tim Banks recruited him. I tried to recruit him to Penn State, so there's a relationship there. Um, so Tennessee exactly knows what they're getting personality-wise physically and everything else he should step in and be a big factor for Tennessee I think it's an absolutely huge get because they had such a need at that position yeah I, for me it's it's you know it is I just think about the word production you know that's what he is I mean he's not the biggest guy he maybe not be the fastest guy but he is a productive guy and he's done it in a league where offense is king and so I, I think again the most experienced linebacker in Tennessee's room the moment he walks in the door and so, you know, he, he'll get here later this month, be here for first session in June, and, uh, and, and you know, will instantly become someone that the defensive coaches really rely on. And then a guy I know Middle Tennesseans are familiar with for his time at Hillsboro, Javante Payton, put up some numbers in Mississippi State, not eye-popping numbers or anything like that, but a room that's already pretty good, guys, it gets a little bit better with Javante Payton now transferring from Mississippi State to Tennessee at receiver Austin, starting with you on this one, what kind of impact can Javante Payton make in that receiver room? Well, I mean, he's, he's a guy that's played receiver for a long time, Chad. And so, you know, I know in, in talking to the staff, you know, the one thing, and I think they feel like that, that, that 
receiver room has talent, but to me, the, the, they look at that receiver room as, hey, we've still got some guys that are learning the position that haven't played it that much. They, in high school, they played quarterback or they played other positions. So we need somebody that can come in and, and is a veteran at that spot. Tennessee obviously felt like they needed to add someone. I, I know a lot of fans and, and some people were like, you know, like, why wow, add a receiver? I mean, well, they got plenty of receivers. But obviously this staff felt like they needed to. And Javante Payton, even though he's just a one-for-one one guy, and I know Tennessee doesn't really want to go down that, that road if they can help it, but they felt like Javante helps them um, right away. He gives them speed. Um, you know, the way he attacks the ball is something that this staff really likes. And so – they're excited about Javante Payton, and let's face it, he's about ended up here twice before, coming out of high school with Butch Jones and coming out of JUCO with Jeremy Pruitt, and finally you know, he ends up on Josh Heupel's uh, team here at Tennessee with one year to go. So I, I know that they feel like he can be a real productive player for them and stretch the field. I want to stick with receivers. Um, you know, We're coming off of Josh Palmer being this underused guy who people say – you know, could be better in the NFL than he was in college because of that. Now you've got a new head coach uh, who had a quarterback last year who threw 80 passes of 20 yards or more in the air, um, you know, which was, was 11 more than Trask or Ellinger uh, at, the, at the next level. This has got to be uh, the best time to be a receiver at Tennessee in some time. Um, positionally how transformative is this going to be for wide receivers well i, I mean brian i think go ahead brian i think that i mean if the quarterback can get him the ball though this it's going to be a wide receiver's dream because you're going to be able to stretch the field i mean you look at the spring game i think they took four deep shots in the first eight or nine snaps of the game um something crazy like that so if, if you watch any of josh heupel's offense going back to missouri you know, going back to when he played, what he did at UCF, vertical is in the passing game is the key. And that's why the quarterback is such an important position. Austin, if they can get a quarterback who can throw the deep ball, then I think receivers are really going to like what's going to happen. That's why you see them still searching for that answer at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing Joe Milton brings, Brent, is the ability to throw it down the field and stretch the field. And so, you know, to me, if he can pick up the intermediate stuff, that's when – this offense could really take off because he does have the arm strength to really push the ball down the field. And Tennessee's got some receivers that can run for the first time in a while. They have some guys that can, you know, pick it up and put it down and get down the field in a hurry. And so stretching the field vertically, is something that Josh Heupel wants to do, that's something they're going to attempt to do. And if the quarterback is on, then I think that's something they can do, which really opens things up for the entire offense. It opens things up for the tight ends that I think can be more productive in this offense. I think it opens things up for Jabari Small and Tyon Evans and Jalen Wright and some of those running backs. And so, it, to me, I think, you know, what Paul just brought up is going to be the, the crux and, and the key to everything for Josh Heupel and his offense this year, and that's finding a quarterback to stretch the field vertically because they do have the weapons on the outside to stretch it. Austin Price and Brent Hubbs of VolQuest.com with us coming up. We continue the Tennessee football discussion and why May 19th is important as a date to circle a week from this coming Wednesday. That's all straight ahead on OutKick 360. Hang with us. OutKick 360 and the Tennessee Power Hour is back. Crew is all here, including the crew from VolQuest, Brent Hubs and Austin Price. 
You're about to see them on the screen. And Brent, uh, we are about to see some rules changes across college football. At least that's the expectation on May the 19th, which is a week from this coming Wednesday. What's the rule that you're paying close attention to that would directly affect this Tennessee team in 2021? Well, I think it's the rule that would affect all college teams, and that is the, the, the proposal to limit the number of full padded, full contact practices in the preseason from 21 to 8, uh, which is a pretty dramatic change. And uh, there was a committee meeting yesterday to kind of finalize the proposal for next week. So we'll see if there's any adjustments coming out of the committee meeting late yesterday afternoon. But it's supposed to go before the Division One Council on Wednesday for the full presentation. And then we'll see what comes out of that. There's also talk about limiting the number of scrimmages by by at least one in, in the preseason in August. The thought on this is that it will be injury, you know, preventative. Um, some people who are against it are saying, you know, you're not going to have teams ready to play because they're not going to have enough contact. And uh, they're citing, um, I think it was Army a year ago that didn't have any contact in the preseason, and they go out in week one and, and look like they had no business being out there. Um, so we'll see, um, but but that's the big proposal is cutting that from 21 to eight in terms of the, the amount of contact, full contact practices that you could have. Nobody uses 21 in the preseason, but everybody uses more than eight. So there'll certainly be an adjustment there if that goes through. Now, a couple of other things in there, you know, they're eliminating the Oklahoma drill and uh, bull in the ring or circle of life or, or whatever your coach calls it, which I think most coaches around the country would agree you know, we're kind of past the point when you get to college of needing those toughness drills and there's no real technique involved there. So I don't think anybody's really opposed to that measure, but coaches have some concerns about the full contact limitations. And I would imagine, Austin, especially this year, uh, the reason I bring up 2021 with the new coaching staff trying to evaluate what, you know, what they have, what they don't have, where they really lack. Uh, while I think we can pinpoint things on paper, there's also, you know, those players who, you know, have an opportunity to play better or improve with a new staff based on scheme. And to me, you figure that part out when you put the pads on. And the, the limit the limitations of that, especially defensively, could that could that hold this group back in the fall? I mean, I think defensively it sure could. Offensively, I think it probably helps Tennessee. Um you know, but defensively, I think you know when you're you're breaking in Jawan Mitchell and Caleb Tremblay, and you know we'll see if Tennessee adds anybody else in in, in the transfer portal um, between now and, and and June 1st. But uh, I think that ultimately, you know, you want those guys on the defense, especially linebackers and defensive linemen, to have some you know as much full contact as they can. I think you know going from 21 to eight is just so extreme. Like, why not go 21 to 12 or 21 to 13? Like, you can limit it. And Brent's right; nobody really does 21. And so many schools, you know, practice a certain way that you know helps the players, anyways. But you want to be able to have a little bit of time to kind of get up and go in fall camp. And um, you know, I, I think ultimately, you know, th that's something that could really hurt Tennessee's defense. Something that they really, you know, probably will struggle with anyway. They need as much you know, to me, contact work as they can get, especially breaking in some new bodies. Here's what I wonder, too, a little bit is, is there going to be some kind of compromise, maybe not on the number of days, but going back to last year, there was some of these, quote, college OTA stuff that took place right at the end of, Jan of July, mm -hmm. where you could work out, coaches could work out their kids in, in, in some smaller settings, could have some walkthroughs type stuff. 
I wonder if we see that taking place as a bit of a compromise. Okay, you're not going to get to hit as much in a condensed area here, but we're going to give you two more weeks to, to work with your kids, you know, in larger groups, not with your strength coach, but with your position coach or your coordinator or your head coach to kind of get you going into um, fall camp. I, I wonder if we see a little bit of that, kind of a shift towards a little bit more of an NFL-style training camp, something that some coaches told me they, they did appreciate that part of last year, as, as crazy as last year was. They did like that time in July where they got a chance to, to work and do some walkthroughs and things like that with some of those young players. Guys, what's the latest, and, and uh, maybe there is no update, on Henry Toa Toa? Is, is he expected to, to be a Buckeye, or has that changed in the last week? I've heard everything from Florida to Michigan, Ohio State. It seems like the Alabama ship has totally sailed. Um, but, but you know, uh, those are kind of some of the teams I've heard. Ultimately, I think it's odd that well, here we are, what, May 7th, and, yes. you know, nothing's been decided or announced, you know, for Henry. I mean, that, that, that seems a bit bizarre because, you know, when you've taken the semester away and you've just been doing everything academically from home, like it looks like to me you would try to be to your new destination for many term, you know, um, and, and have as much time with your new school and your new program as possible before the season starts. I know that's what I would be trying to do. So I, I find it odd that he did not and has not um, done, done anything to this point. Um, so, Brent, I, the Henry situation just seems so bizarre to me. The kid still never went through spring practice in his college career. Um, you know, you take away, you know, 30 or 45 practices, depending on, you know, how you look at it. Um, that That definitely hurts him. Well, and I think the other thing that you, if you're a school that you're looking at that you have some concerns with is, you know, the homesickness element to this. Uh, he was homesick when he got to Tennessee. There was talk that he was going to go home and not come back at some point. Tennessee had to kind of stave that off as, his, as a freshman. And then um, last year he didn't come back until July essentially because he wanted to stay at home for Father's Day to be around his dad, who he's extremely close with. And then there was talk he was going to come back to Tennessee in February, but he didn't really want to come back there because he wanted to be out there for personal and family reasons. So I think there's probably some schools trying to figure out, you know, if is he going to come to us and stay and be committed to us year-round football-wise? I think they're trying to figure out some of those dynamics as well when you talk about, okay, we got enough depth there. How much of a factor is he going to be? Michigan's kind of the latest hot topic school there's nobody on the west coast that's been talked about but you never know because that family is extremely tight dad's extremely involved in the decision making process there brent i want to talk to you and start with you on this one on the ncaa investigation you sat down and spoke with danny white and i know that the investigation continues on tennessee's end i'm curious if you feel like part of that reason is because tennessee wants to take this as far as possible with the NCAA in the passenger seat as they're driving through this investigation in hopes that whatever they submit to the NCAA and whatever self-imposed sanctions that are out there are just approved by the NCAA. So in sort of lengthening the investigation, maybe somehow they get to a quicker conclusion of what the penalty is going to be. Do you think that's the thinking behind some of this with Danny White in Tennessee? I don't think there's any question. You know, Tennessee wants to be thorough, obviously. Uh, they do not want the NCAA to have to, to reinvestigate anything. So when you turn over everything to the NCAA, the hope would be that the NCAA says, yeah, that's it. 
we, we've been along for the ride. We know exactly what's going on there. There's nothing else to look at. Oh, by the way, NCAA just saved a half a million dollars from their investigative work because Tennessee paid for and did all the investigation stuff for them. Tennessee's the most cooperative. And if you're Tennessee, you're hoping that gets you a faster ruling and a bit of a more favorable ruling as opposed to some other schools who've kind of given the NCAA the bird when it comes to investigations, that they're just kind of like, we're going to keep on going about it and do whatever we want to do. And you get to us, if you get to us, you know, whenever that might or might not be years from now. So I think Tennessee is banking on a, the fact that the NCAA knows everything that they're doing B they've done the work for the NCAA. Okay. And two, they've been the most cooperative team in college athletics with the NCAA over the course of the past two or three years when it comes to an NCAA investigation. And see, for me, you know, to, to piggyback what Brent just said, like I, you talk to people around college football and they're going to go, well, the NCAA don't care if you, you know, they don't care if you're, you know, how, how truthful you were. But see, I think the NCAA is kind of in a weird spot here where because of the way LSU and some of these other schools have just kind of, you know, you know, flipped them off, so to speak, like if they – hammer Tennessee, then they set a precedent, a terrible precedent for years ahead for them. You know, whereas like if they, you know, take it easier on Tennessee for being more forthcoming and stuff, then I think that, you know, they still can, I guess, you know, claim some semblance of a grip on things. I think they lose all grip if they, if they come out and hammer Tennessee after they've done everything, you know, above board and like you're supposed to, and, and worked with them. This may be way premature, just looking at the schedule. I don't know if you guys have a sense or not. Bowling Green, Pitt, Tennessee Tech at home, right? Pitt just had <clears throat> five, six guys drafted, five on defense, uh, including their two edge rushers, one of them coming here to, t- to the Titans, and obviously uh, a bit of controversy with him. You know how good Pitt is going to be or is expected to be, and is that a game that – that conceivably people could start to think that if if UT is going to be a decent team this year, they they could steal or no? Well, to me, you've kind of got Brent. You have four layers of games. You have three that you you, you should win, and I know what everybody's going to say. Well, Georgia State, but that was a once in a hundred year type thing. So, like you know, you, you got those three wins. Then you got a, the next level of three, which is South Carolina, Pitt, and Bandy. And, and then you have Ole Miss, Kentucky, and um, and Missouri, and then of course you got the big three: Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. So, you know, uh, Pittsburgh to me is a, a a litmus test game because if you can win that one, you're going to be three and zero going to Florida. That don't mean you're going to go beat Florida, but it gives you some momentum early on in the season, especially if you're scoring points and you're creating excitement for Tennessee to kind of pick themselves off, themselves off, off the mat a little bit and uh, get into the middle part of the season feeling good about themselves. Yeah, I think Pitt's got several holes that they have to fill. Now, if you're if you're a Pitt fan, you feel okay with your ability to fill the defensive holes because your head coach is a defensive coach uh, and, and Pat Narduzzi. I mean, that's what he does. He's all about defense. So you would think that he's recruited more to that side of the ball than anything else so that they would have some guys who could step in and, and, and fill you know some spots there and, and be ready to go. Uh, but there's no doubt that, you know, that there's concerns on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, if Tennessee can get an offense rolling, I'm not sure Pitt offensively could match points because that's not typically been their strength. So 
The question is how quickly can Pitt reload their defense with what they lost under a defensive-minded head coach. So we've seen Georgia, the states, state of Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, work on name, image, likeness uh, legislation that's going to help those programs in that state. What's being done, if anything, with Danny White and Tennessee on that front? Or are we going to enter, starting in July, an area where uh, players can profit off name, image, likeness in those states and not across the SEC? Well, I, I, you know, Danny White said in our interview that, that I did with him a week and a half, two weeks ago, whatever it run now, that they had not worked a ton in terms of putting their policy together for name, image, likeness, because they're waiting to see what the NCAA's policy blanket kind of, what the, the, the parameters of that are going to be. That does not mean that he's just ignored name, image, likeness, um, because that's not the case. I've talked to enough people that they have a pretty uh, pretty solid plan that they are working on. Now, it's not finalized because they're waiting to see what parameters uh, are going to be out there from the NCAA standpoint, the SEC standpoint. But it's not like Tennessee is, is waiting until they get those final parameters to put something in place so that they're not even going to start looking at it till July 1st. That's not the case at all. Uh, but I think what he was saying is, yeah, we've got we got an idea, but we're not going to present that. We're not going to openly talk about that because we got to wait and see sort of what those are. There's a lot of people in college athletics yesterday when the Georgia stuff came out that said Georgia's going to keep 75% of the profit off name, image, likeness. There were a lot of people who went, whoa, what is that all about? Because that kind of defeats the purpose for the student athlete of name, image, likeness if they're only going to get 25% of it. So that kind of sent some some ripples across college athletics. I don't think you're going to see other schools out there say that kind of number uh, or anything like that. But everybody's just kind of waiting to see um, what the final parameters are before they put their final thing in place. But I think Tennessee will be ready to go. I don't think they'll be um, you know, out in the weeds on this thing when, when other schools take off with it. We're with VolQuest.com's Brent Hubs and Austin Price. Brent, while we're on the topic of your first chat, sit down for the site with, with Danny White, how would you compare first impression, first interview to that of Mike Hamilton or Dave Hart or John Curry? I think we all had a sense of what Fulmer would be like in the setting like that. How would you compare Danny White to the other three? That's a great question, and, and it's a little bit tough to answer because I knew John Curry – as an assistant. Um, so when I sat down and talked to him, I already had a relationship there. Um, same thing with Mike Hamilton. Uh, my first conversation with Danny White, Austin and I introduced ourselves at the Josh Heupel press conference, and he was still worked up over the fact that there was a leak over the fact that Josh Heupel was getting hired, and we had reported <laughs> that before. Uh, he wasn't mean by any means, right. but he was clearly still kind of dancing around how we knew that and was bothered by the fact that that got out there. Um, you know, the thing that I came away with in my interview with him is he's got a better, you know, you hadn't heard from him. And so you kind of wondered what he'd been doing, right? I mean, he'd been hiring some people, but he kind of disappeared. And the perception of him is that he was going to take on all these people on Twitter or whatever. I mean, you know, he was all this you know, kind of really brash type guy and everything like that. And then he kind of disappears. 
my takeaway was he he's done a lot of work in trying to understand Tennessee, understand the history, knowing history, knowing people, getting a better understanding of that. And so I think he took an approach of I don't need to be on the speaking circuit till I have a better feel for kind of everything we've inherited and what we need to be working on here. So, um, you know, I came away, you know, pretty impressed with, with how much he's learned about Tennessee in a short period of time and a little bit surprised at kind of his personality because I think he gets pigeonholed into some, being somebody because of the whole national championship thing that he, you know, that, that, that thing he ran up the mountain with at Central Florida where he kind of openly challenged everybody. So you kind of thought that's who he was going to be. That's not the personality that comes across when you sit down and talk to him. And Austin, I, I think I, I because of what Brent just mentioned at, at Central Florida, I expected more of a marketing push. And I'm not saying that one approach is right or wrong here. I'm just trying to talk through it. D- did you expect more of a marketing angle with Hypel and White than what we've seen? And do you expect more of that now that spring is behind us for instance, we're having Hypo on the show next week for the first time. Do you think we, we have more of that leading into fall camp? Or do you think this is more of what we've seen from the past where Pruitt just wanted to coach football? He's a football coach. That's it. Uh, what do you think the blend will be with this staff and regime? Well, I think it'll be more. I think you'll continue to see more. I think, you know, uh, I think you're going to see more promotion and, and more promotional material based off the fact that I think they've been trying to figure out what they have. Like you don't want to promote one sure. thing and then get in there and go, actually, we don't have that. We need to promote this instead and then do an about face. So I think they've been trying to kind of figure out what they have, figure out the fan base, understand things, understand how the fan base ticks um, and, and those type of things and, and go from there. And so I think you will see more and more, um, promotion going forward. I think the way they sell Tennessee will be done a certain way going forward. And so uh, it's just a weird time. You hire an AD and a new head football coach, and literally you have the signing period like two days later. And, you know, so like if you really think about it, the guys that he's just that, that Heupel has just gotten into the program, Mitchell, Milton, Tremblay, Javante Payton, those are really the only – Josh Heupel guys, the rest of these are players signed with other, you know, you know, other head coaches. And so, you know, for my liking, like, I think they're just trying to kind of grasp what they have, both as a head coach and as an athletic director. And I think you will see going forward more promotion and uh, a different way they sell things. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't disagree. I think maybe coming in, I probably would have thought they would have been more like the, uh, the Butch Jones era as far as just all the marketing and using yes. Game of Thrones and, and all the Air Jordans and the, all that stuff. I think you'll see some of that going forward, but at the same time, I think it will have their own touch to it. What you guys make of it? It was White, not Hypel, right, Chad, that talked of the negativity yeah, white. Around, around the fan base, which um, I don't think translates great. Uh, necessarily from a guy who, who you'd, you'd mentioned was able to throw himself a parade for a national cha- self-declared national championship. Um, and I know he's looking for people to buy in, but when you invest uh, with a financial donation, you're probably going to be more negative when things aren't going well, not less negative. Well, I think he has to be very careful um, with that. Um, I get what he's saying, you know, and I understand that the perception of Tennessee is that you know that it's they're really negative about things in, in a lot of ways. But 
you got to understand where the Tennessee fan base has been um, and what they've been through and, and, and where it's at right now. So um, I, I understand the point he's making, um, but at the same time, too, I don't, I don't know that fans have any interest in being scolded. So, um, you know, he, he made that in his opening co- – he made a comment about that in his opening press conference. He obviously mentioned it um, sort of in passing in an answer to a question I asked him about, you know, trying to increase the donor base. I think you'll see him kind of move away from that talking point. I don't think you're going to see that be something that, that he holds on to, um, and, and they kind of move on from that. And um, he's going to talk a lot about fundraising, a lot about the money that they need for facilities, uh, because, quite frankly, they need money for facilities. And I know that's not what fans want to hear, uh, but Neyland Stadium needs some major renovation work. Um, not just new bathrooms and not just a wider concourse. There's some structural stuff that needs to be done as well. Obviously, you've got a situation with Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Um, I think the football program would like a player's lounge from a recruiting standpoint and, and things there. So to do those things, you've got to go out and raise money. And I think you're going to see a bit of a shift away from maybe telling the fans how to think or what to think or, or even saying something about the negativity of fans. And it's going to be much more about everybody being all in and how much help they need uh, because financially they've got to get in a situation where they can uh, produce some of these facilities, facility upgrades and renovations that you have to do. And I, yeah, I, I mean, think, I, I know for me, sorry, Austin, I was gonna say, for me, I mean, I, I understand what he was trying to do. And, and, and I've been very pretty vocal on our side about how some of the comments on Twitter and or message boards can impact recruiting. Um, but at the same time, until you've walked a mile, in the shoes of a Tennessee fan for the last 15 years, I don't think you can truly understand what the fan base has been through. They take one step forward with a couple of years with Butch, then this massive step back. I mean, there's, there's you know, getting yo-yoed back and forth. And, you know, Brent's right. Like, they do have to update some of the, you know, the, you know, the complexes on campus and, the you know, the stadiums on campus. And, you know, Danny White said that with Jason Swain this morning on his show, you know. I want to get with our fans and find out what, you know, how we can improve the, you know, concourses, how we can improve the bathrooms, how we can improve all the different things at all of our different venues, because ultimately the student athletes not walking up into the concourse to go get a hot dog. You know, you know, Bob from Section X is going up into the concourse to get a hot dog. So, you know, I think that, you know, befriending the fans and getting on the side, Tennessee fans want to win. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, they just want to win. And the first thing Danny White can do is make sure Tony Vitello doesn't leave. If he makes that happen, then he's off on the right foot, and people are going to forget all about the talk about texting a buddy and all that stuff. You want to keep Tony Vitello. That's the first step towards all that you know fan talk and all that just going away. Yeah, and I, I, I think that's a great point. And I, I think the, the, the layer too deeper on what I was getting at there on the marketing arm and expectations of things – I'm not saying throw up, you know, billboards and different things with a new slogan. As much as if you're if you're going to talk about the negativity, get out in front of it and change the perception of, or or, or at least lay the foundation for the vision that you're going to push forward that you want the fan base to buy into. And Here's I don't the know problem. if they've done it, it, that completely to the expectation yeah, of what we thought they would. Uh, they have not done it to what I thought they would do. I would agree with that. I think you have to be careful with that because I think this fan base is over slogans. I think this fan base is over. (laughs) Hey, it's a new vision. They've only had, I mean, think about it. They've had four renderings of Neyland Stadium renovations in the last, what, seven years, eight years, something like that. 
I mean, it's been yeah, re- right. it's, they they've paid they've paid over six figures to have it redrawn four different times by four different athletic directors or three different athletic directors. Danny White will be the fourth. So I think there's a little bit of are you throwing money away if you if you come up with a with a you know a zingy slogan and and you try to market a little bit that way because I think I think that rings hollow with fans who have kind of grown weary of, of some of that stuff. Austin's right. They want to win. I mean, here's the amazing part. Tennessee's season ticket renewal right now is at 84%. That's not bad when you consider where this program has been and coming off three and seven and all the unknowns. 84% of the season ticket holders to date from last year uh, have renewed their season tickets. And so um, I, I think you got to be careful that you don't, sour those people who continue to support you throughout whatever you're going through yet another round of changes which is where tennessee's at right now so this is a bit of an off the wall big picture basketball question are things being set up by tennessee and rick barnes to where he's going to name his successor and mike schwartz is going to be the next head basketball coach at tennessee oh i don't know that i mean i you know i think rick barnes certainly whenever he is ready to retire would like to have a say um and 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 have a voice in and who his replacement might be but um i I don't think that um, i don't think that that's set up unless rick barnes is going to walk away right at the start of the season like bobby johnson did at vanderbilt to try to set that up for his friend to be to be the head coach um or, or something like that so um, you know, Danny White's, I mean, Rick Barnes got a new boss in Danny White and Danny White's a basketball guy. So, um, I don't think it's quote being set up. I mean, Mike Schwartz's responsibility today is probably not any greater than his responsibility was a year ago with this basketball team. Rick Barnes lets his assistants coach and he lets them do a lot of things and help run the program because he believes it's his responsibility as a veteran coach to get those guys ready to be a head coach wherever that might be, whether it's at Tennessee or whether it's at ETSU for Desmond Oliver or Kim English at George Mason or Rob Lanier at Georgia State. His job is to get those guys ready to be head coaches, and I think that's exactly what he's doing with Michael Schwartz because I think Schwartz is, quote, next in line to be a head coach off the staff. Yeah, I think that if that were going to happen, Chad, it would have been Rob Lanier, and Rob Lanier would have kind of hung around but I don't think Rob I think Rob Lanier knew that Rick Barnes had a lot of coaching left in him he couldn't pass up the chance to be a head coach and that's why he made the move down to uh, to Georgia to be a head coach in that state so you know I I think had if he was going to go that route of kind of like retiring in the summertime and leaving Tennessee in this weird position to promote it, it would have done it would have been done with Rob Lanier Always enjoy our, our last segment with the guys as we wrap up the hour, the VolQuest hour, because we get into some random discussion, whether it's Christmas tree, uh, you know, ornaments for Austin Price in the middle of May, or Brent Hubs and whatever his wardrobe might be. On. And I've got one on that. Um, we, we have uh, a discussion that happened off air as we started where for what we can't figure out why Zoom is doing this this week, but it may have been last week too, but Austin and Brent can't see us. We can see them. And they look beautiful on camera as usual. And they're missing out. But you talk about was focus, able, guys. This Austin, is what I've looked at all day. Yeah, Travis Austin, Tritt, <laughs> who's one of your producers. There we go. <laughs> like, that's, that's what I've seen the whole the whole show. You talk about laser focus. When I got Travis Tritt here, and I'm wanting to break out. It's a great day to be alive on the air here. 
you know, or ask them to go to that mini fridge in the background that I see and say, you know, get us some, get us some water, get hubs of Fresca. <laughs> so, so Austin and Brent join the show. We could talk during the break as we start the hour. And Austin in my ear says, all, guys, I can't see you. All I see is Travis Tritt. And I'm thinking, what? Like, <laughs> why is he seeing is, is Travis Is he stuck Tritt? on the CMT feed? <laughs> well, how exactly is that all you're seeing? And then he said, oh, I see the fridge. And then I realized he thinks Jacob looks like Travis Tritt. And, you know, I, <laughs> I can see it now, and I can't get that out of my head, that, that Jacob, who, is, who knows nothing about country music whatsoever... <laughs> There it is. There it We're is. We're showing this on the camera now, guys. Travis has lost Travis, some weight. Travis, you upset that Cletus T stole that song and made a parody. <laughs> it's it's a little Travis Tritt, also a little Joe Dirt, I think, in there with uh, with Ned. Jacob. A little bit of both. Brent, I, I, he accepts. He's not. Yeah. I, I wonder Next, if you you're going to throw Johnny Paycheck out there. <laughs> you know, Cletus T's parody, It's a Great Day to Be a Guy, that's Paul's anthem. Because I can just imagine him sitting outside in a lawn chair, butt neck, and swatting at flies. And, you know, I, I definitely can see it. Nailed it. That, Nailed that, it. We talked about that. And then we also talked about Chad, who's 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 a coach pitch yep. for his little you know, girl's, you know, five-year-old coach pitch team. You know, I, let me tell you what I envision. I envision the, the A's, which is, you know, Chad's daughter's team, loading the bases, them down a couple of runs in the last Ooh. inning, and Chad says, all right, if I hit you, you got to take a base to score a run. Wear Lean one. in. Lean uh, in. Like wear it. The players. It's going to be like Corbin Burnson in Major League where i got to convince him to take one for the team. I'm like, You're gonna, it's going to be a little fast, just right in the rib cage, turn around, it's not going to hurt too long, and take that base. I like it. I just wanted to speak to Hubs' sweatshirt for a moment if I could. Sure. If we could put Hubs on there for me. Hey, hey sweatshirt, buddy. I thought hey, you got retired. Up, buddy? But it turned off you only had a week off. So uh, welcome back. Jacob got him a water. It's good to see you again. And uh, hopefully we'll hey, see that, hey, that polo look, next week. It's, a, it's, in, the, it's in like the, the mid-60s here and the wind's blowing today, <laughs> which in my world means it's about 48 degrees outside as the feel like. So you're, you're, just be thankful I'm not wearing a toboggan while I'm doing this <laughs> thing right now. So, it's, it's just I that the, I know you've got I'm more the, than one. Well, I'm the king of hooded sweatshirts, but for you, Paul, one of these days, Paul, I'm going to show up in like in a shirt and tie for you, just for you, because for whatever reason, your obsession with my wardrobe, particularly after Austin compared you to a guy sitting butt naked, swatting flies in a lawn chair, was a little bit concerning, but that's okay. I'm variety. good with it, Paul. I'm, I'm glad you're worried about it. Variety <laughs> is the spice of life, buddy. Can't, hey, you, see, can't, you, see, can't you see Paul? And it, it, he's like out there, and he's got like his robe on. He's oh he's, yeah. He, he's he's got the, the 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 newspaper, and he's got his phone, and he's like, should I hit send on this tweet that's going to make all the media mad? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, and the answer is always yes. Only yeah. the last part of that was accurate. The idea that he thinks I'm anywhere near a newspaper, which I now call uh, as a newspaper man, I call a newspaper in my driveway litter. <laughs> <laughs> He has three or four iPads now, guys. Get it right. All right. Well, that's right, yeah, right, yeah. All right. We got job, to the guys. awkward silence. Excellent Great job, job fellas. Great good to have you. Hey, enjoy the weekend. Hey, good just rem hey, just remember, there's no crying in five-year-old coach pitch tonight, okay? Oh, oh there will be. Yeah. The, there is a I, – I Every week that happens to someone. I, I, I'm not going near the mound if I ever have an opportunity to do the coach pitch. I, I, I would opt out because there is an accuracy and precision – that that is needed for every parent's child 
Like it, there's different. an expectation of how dare different. you not pitch the exact same speed and height to my child as you did the child prior in, in, in order. Chad is no, my a daughter saint. Likes it high. Chad is a saint for doing this. Uh, and if anyone has a problem with Withrow, you come to the Outkick 360. I'm so committed to success. I'm getting there at 5 o'clock for a 6 o'clock game, and we're going through batting practice beforehand yeah. so I can learn the speed and where the players like Again. it. So I, it'll just go in the memory bank of, oh, uh, Emma's up now, and she likes it here. I want to come then out and Caroline's up, and she likes it on the inner half. So I can try to locate pitches. You're basically trying to hit bats. No pitch all no to a bat because they're going to swing the same way at the same time every time. You're trying to hit a bat. No well, pitch. No different. pitch. When we do the outkick masters, when we do the outkick masters, does your daughter have a game in and around that? Because we may need to come. Oh, we should and broadcast sit out there that outside live. the fence and just yell at you. Is that a cutter with throw? Is that a, is that a split finger? <laughs> I think there's great potential show content. With you guys heckling me at one of these games. Hey, oh, Austin, I'm going to be in a hoodie. I'm going to be just like this right here behind yeah, home like plate. The Unabomber. And I'm going to be heckling you to death. <laughs> as as we, the, as we wrap up, on, Ted. And, and, and as we wrap up, I'm glad you mentioned the 360 Masters because we had someone a week and a half ago that, uh, that purchased the bay next to the VolQuest Bay. We have two bays left for sale, and it'll be sold out. And... You can actually still get a bay next to the VolQuest Bay. We're going to put, we can put Austin and Brent and the whole crew in the middle, and you can have one on either side. So if you'd like what, to, what, uh, wait, golf did they request with to be the side of us? Yes, they did. They put that in the in the comment section of their Why? ticket price. Yeah. So uh, you can you, which means you're coming. By the way, you will be there on June the 10th. You are committed to this now. Uh, you can go to our Twitter me. account for the link. Trust so me. So thank you, you, Austin. If, if you are. You want to be on the right side of us, not the left side, because Hubs hits this big cut. Okay. You know, and if he if he hits one off the toe, he may hit somebody. Thank you, Jim Furyk. How, how much <laughs> merchandise are you requiring before you show up to participate in this event? I mean, does oh, Outkick have, have to have provide you like a week's worth of Peter Millar gear? I mean, what do they got to give you to get you to make an appearance? I, and I hope I you don't want, big boy them for a better golf course. <laughs> Hey, listen. We're, we're gonna we're gonna make a day of it, Hub. Me, you. I'm gonna. I've got. I've got. I'm gonna set make us a up. Day of it. I town. was in a car with you for two days, driving across the state last week. <laughs> I, I know, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna come over there. I've got my guy Jake at Brentwood Country Club. I'm gonna try to set this up. Hubs <laughs> and I are coming in to play with a bunch of ball questers. It's gonna be a blast before we head over to the Top Golf. Can I wear a hoodie times. at that event, Masters? Can I wear a hoodie? Absolutely. Yeah, just not that one. Absolutely. Not this one. I got to wear a nicer hoodie. No, that. that I got to wear my fine. Sunday don't, hoodie. Don't is, that what Sunday is that a yeah, Russell? Please. Is is that a Russell? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, is that a Russell hoodie. Thank you as always, and uh, we will catch up with you next week. Appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate well. it, guys. Thank you. Brent Hubbs, Austin Price. Thank you, Jim Furyk. Thank you, Jim Furyk. It was awesome. <laughs> guys, what a, what a fun week. Another week of books. Weekend is coming up. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms. Um, we are in in for a big weekend. Chad's got a big game tonight. Two big games tonight Two big and games tomorrow. tomorrow. Tomorrow it's going to rain. Tomorrow at noon tonight. Paul's Every gonna Saturday. The program. Yep. I'm going to finish the program. Simon's got a bunch of soccer. I may be comforting him tonight if this race doesn't go well. There you go. Wish me luck. 
Right, big thanks to our crew. Uh, be sure to check out FanDuel.com slash OK360 for the best odds new users up to $1,000 risk-free bet. Uh, if you sign up over the weekend, if you lose your first bet when you opt in to the $1,000 risk-free bet, you can get up to $1,000 back in site credit if you lose. Again, that is FanDuel.com slash OK360. We are back on Monday. Everyone have a great weekend. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Double the warning, because it needs to last you for a couple days. Don't block the box. Do lock the locks. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.